I am here holding the hope for you until you can hold it for yourself. Welcome to From Heartache to Healing and Hope with your host, Bernadette Winters-Bell, LMSW. This podcast explores the many layers of life through the lens of loss and grief, often with special guests who share their perspectives on this universal yet unique process. These explorations can offer you, the listener, avenues to encourage you to have these conversations with yourself, your family, your community, your world. I am Bernadette Wintersbell, the host of the podcast From Heartache to Healing and Hope. And this series, Same Storm, Different Boats, features my special guest, Kelsey Lang Rockefeller. She is a spirit filled with joy and love and thoughtfulness, humor, and much peace of spirit. Kelsey is a young woman. They're all younger when you get to be my age. And who has been through many different evolutions in her life and how she has gone through the pandemic and the changes that she's made personally and professionally, I think you'll find very inspiring that it's something that we all can take a moment to think about and do. Please join me here from Heartache to Healing and Hope with Kelsey Lang Rockefeller. Good afternoon and welcome from Heartache to Healing and Hope. And this is my very special guest, Kelsey Lang Rockefeller. Yes. Maybe that's the first time you've been introduced that, that way, my dear. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and Kelsey is a, uh, a new bride and has a beautiful, beautiful, complete name now. So welcome to this series called Same Storm, Different Boats. Thank you so much for having me. I've been a, a dedicated listener for these past few episodes, and I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Well, we're honored to have you. So Kelsey, um, it's been known to me that uh, after World War I, people would see each other having had different experiences during the war, whether um, fighting for it or keeping the home fires burning, would ask, how was your war? So I say to you, how has your pandemic been? Oh, boy, uh, that is such a complex question. <laughs> I think most people would agree that it has been um, a whirlwind or a roller coaster or any one of those kind of topsy-turvy experiences and Honestly, when I sit and think, you know, trying to distill it down into one word or phrase, I just, I think about how just transformational the experience has been. It's, yeah, and, and there's no, no growth without a little bit of growing pains too. So sure. I, I definitely see it as overall a very positive experience and one that I somehow have found a lot of gratitude for though I would be really excited when we can go back to hugs and um, faces <laughs> absolutely 
So take us back to February or March when we were just starting on this pandemic journey. And what was it you were doing then? So, and it's so funny to think about it because the weekend before our shutdown happened here in upstate New York, I was celebrating my sister's bachelorette party in Burlington, Vermont. We had almost, you know, there was a little bit of a flutter here and there about how Europe was getting hit pretty hard and, you know, who knows. We had, um, I run a yoga studio and the owner and I had discussed, you know, okay, well, we should probably have a preliminary plan to let teachers know what's going to happen if we have to like downsize our classes. And so I sent a little message out to them was like, I don't see this happening, but in the case that it does, I just want you to be prepared. Like our first step will be to um, slow down the number of classes we have. And I just want you to prepare for that. And I get to Burlington that weekend and the stores were empty. And my sister was traveling from North Carolina and she was like, this is worse than when we have hurricane watch like people were just going nuts they were taking everything off the shelves the only thing left was like gluten-free pasta which worked out pretty well for me so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so you know we got what we could and we had a lot of fun that weekend it was you know you didn't really see that anything was going on and then by monday morning we were done we were shut down the orders came out and so I was traveling back that Monday like you know we had classes on the schedule that Monday and I had to call people and let them know we've been asked to close so that was mid-March around the 16th I think right yep yep yeah because I think we um St. Patrick's Day was they still had St. Patrick's Day themes going on while we were out and it was just funny to think that that was our last experience out and and you know we it was just a bunch of girls in a cabin which we thought would be such a fun little escape and little did we know we were never really going to leave that cabin (laughs) unbelievable yeah and on top of that i um my now husband and i had just purchased a home about a week before that so we were um preparing and starting a really big renovation and restoration of our home right as that all hit as well and so it was kind of just this um honestly when I think back to those first few weeks I can't imagine if I had tried to pull it off without having shut down the business it's just it was so, um, so much going on in every, I was burning every burner just at maximum heat and holding it together. But when I look back, I just, that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful for the experience was a chance to really take stock of what I had going on and, and the longevity of that. And isn't it interesting how many few times in our lives this could be the only one perhaps that we get this kind of reset button where we not only are resetting, but everyone else is also. Um, and some lost their jobs, some working from home, um, others uh, putting together 
different things cobbling together, right? Yeah. Um, but we all had an opportunity, unless you were working on the front lines, to take a moment, be thoughtful about your life and what you were doing. And wow, what a time to start a renovation. I mean, anyway, <laughs> yeah. time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And um, my husband, he's a contractor and painter, so he immediately couldn't work because he immediately couldn't be in other people's homes. So um, he had the time to do it. And, and we had friends who were supporting us and helping us do projects that would be too much to ask if there were a whole week load of work prior. Right. Um, so I got to work making big family style meals. We had a little bubble of people that, you know, we were comfortable seeing and we just really went to work on the house and and you know just tried to like I said taking that stock of what's happening around us um what's important and and like you said I think it's so important to recognize that all of us going through it at the same time it helped us to all collectively lower expectations of each other and just have this outward abundance of empathy and you know all you had to say was the pandemic and <laughs> exactly you know everybody was so forgiving and it just it breaks my heart to think about how many folks have gone through some of the big big transitions in their life without this collective support for it to think about you know I, I mean it was this, we were reflecting on how we kind of have this false sense of security. Like if you have a job, if you have loved ones, if you have all of these kind of things that make your life feel whole, we have this sense of security that that is going to, you know, always be that way. And at any moment, it didn't have to be a pandemic. It could have been a one-time individual experience that really shook all of that apart but having all of that collectively together I just think that there was such a deeper opportunity for us to as a collective feel the emotions surrounding that transition rather than just trying to like get back to normal and, oh, you know, this was a terrible weekend, something terrible happened, but get back to work next week, power through, and then who knows, maybe never deal with it until it, you know, really eats away deep down, so. It's interesting that you say that. So when someone has had a profound loss, and as you know, grief is my thing, yeah. um, and they see someone say a couple of months after it and the, their person, and we'll say that everyone's kind and loving here, will say, how have you been? Well, not so good. Oh, what's the matter? What do you mean, what's the matter? My husband died, my grandfather died. Um, but of course their life went on as it should be. Right. And you can feel that it's hard to think about your life going on without this person physically in it. And you're right, this time we all were there, except if you were on the front line, you didn't have, barely had time to you know, have lunch. Yeah. Um, 
but everyone could say out of toilet paper, the pandemic. I mean, yeah, it covered everything. Absolutely, right. And so it's a wonderful opportunity to say, how thoughtful have I been in the past and want to be in the future when I'm making big decisions or processing loss or whatever it might be? Absolutely, right. And I don't, I know that other people I've spoken to who haven't had that opportunity or given it to themselves um, because they're in survival mode, you know? Right, right. So it's lovely to hear um, that you have that opportunity and used it. Wow. Yeah. And it, it definitely follows its, its roots down to my line of work in, in mm -hmm. yoga. And part of the reason why I'm so grateful for this experience is that it, it really gave me the opportunity to, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk and right. you know how often do we have all the answers when a friend calls and, and they have something going on and we can tell them exactly, just do this, you know, you'll feel so much better, have this to eat, you know, I'll bring you food, rest, relax. And then it comes to yourself and you're like, well, I'm busy. <laughs> And also, we don't necessarily put ourselves on that list of important people. We don't usually even make page one. <laughs> yeah, true. Right. Absolutely, <laughs> right. So after it hit and you were uh, refurbishing your home, how is it that work-wise that you, and of course the yoga studio was unable to operate here in New York State. So what was it that you were able to put together? So we, we, we took a pivot. I know that's such a, a choice word these days, it's a pivot. Um, our pivot was online. We uh, made all of our classes immediately. We made them free or by donation because we just wanted to be able to provide a space for people to know that they could come without, you know, if they had lost their jobs, if they were feeling this financial stress, um, we knew that we would be able to continue to float payment for our teachers for about a month. Um, and then after that, we talked to the teachers, let them know that from that point forward, it'll stay donation based and they would be, receive a percentage of it. And without knowing if that would be a lot or a little, we gave them the choice to say, if you want to teach, this is a platform you can use. If it becomes too much for you and not enough in return, don't feel bad. Um, and we just kind of kept that door open throughout. Um, you know, it was probably just about up till July. And at that point, it was kind of, I think of those like last weeks of June. Um, there was just so much unknown and we still, I think, personally and maybe collectively we were still in this mindset of this is all going to end and we're going to go back to our normal day-to-day -day. like we hadn't been in it long enough to realize that there really is no going back um and I'm sure that this I've heard you say it mirrors the grief process and I can so see how that can be true and you know it's like letting time do the work for you and mid July or early July I was kind of done with it all I just I didn't want to teach anymore I thought that I took the wrong path I don't want to teach yoga this isn't for me I was really starting to question all of these truths that I really held around the lifestyle I had chosen and 
I should go back to law school. I should go like get one of those stable and secure jobs. And, and just, you know, I was craving that security. Mm. Um, and, you know, asking you shall receive New York state gave us a quick update of, okay, you can open. And we did. And we had, I think three weeks of classes before New York state said, oh, we didn't mean you, you have to go back under. So those three weeks were so, it was like a breath of fresh air that helped to rejuvenate and remind me that like, yes, this is the path, continue your work, continue your practice. Um, and then it was, it was very energizing. So when we closed down again, it just, I just really kind of shed that old casing of trying to you know, make it work online the way it worked offline and really start to look at it as something different and let it, let it start to progress in its own way, which has been wonderful. And since then, we've seen a lot of people coming out looking for different types of yoga, looking for one-on-one -on -one yoga, which is my specialty and what I've invested a lot of time in energy training and and just being able to connect with people and meet them how they are and where they are so that we can really use all of the tools of yoga to weather this transition and to kind of turn it around for something positive. It's pretty amazing how we use the skills that we've learned and say, okay, I'm being forced aloud, pick your verb, how you're feeling, <laughs> to pivot, good trendy word, um, and see what I can do with it. Um, first to make money, uh, first to feed your soul maybe, um, because all of these things are, are necessary, right? And um, I love the point of, let's push it through, push it through, oh yeah, okay, that's not working. <laughs> right, but we wanted to. We want like an answer. Right. I know near the beginning of it, um, I was listening to some scientists and hearing that this would be like a two-year process um, and that not even understanding or anticipating how terrible it's gotten and continues to be. And by the time that you get a vaccine and then it gets distributed, you know, so I would share that with my clients, which was not helpful for them at all. So I stopped sharing it because it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, because they were still in what you were talking about, like by the end of the summer, this will fall, come, everything will be okay, back to normal. But for me, I needed what you're talking about, which is, okay, here's this box and here's the pandemic and it's like a two year thing. Okay, how do I adjust my life, my practice, my personal life, in this two year time so that I can be giving and productive um, and peaceful during all of the other things, feeling bad for people, uh, wanting to be of help. Um, and that's the, the trick, you know, that balance right there. And some days we're great at it, other days and not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And giving yourself that grace to figure it out by trial and error too, you know. Um, I, in a previous life, used to teach English as a second language, mm. and I 
to adult learners too. And so I, and a lot of adult learners would come to me and, and they would just say, I can't do this. I'm too old. Like my brain doesn't do that anymore. I should have learned when I was young. And I looked into it and the science behind that is not that your brain is less able to retain new languages, but languages have to be learned through trial. You have to allow yourself to make mistakes Whereas adults are much too afraid of looking silly or there's too much um, stage fright when they try, they want it to be perfect before they let it come out. Whereas kids will just like, you know, say a very simple sentence and they'll, they'll form the grammar as they go. And, and it, and that's why it seems easier to learn when you're a kid, because you're not so afraid of it. And I think that that's so, so true in so many ways as adults, when we learn no, we don't want to look silly. So we want it to be perfect and we want to be good at it right at the start. And it just like, when you're trying to adapt your life into this new space, you have to let yourself have days that are just like, today didn't work. <laughs> like right. that was not it. <laughs> Some days I feel like we get up, get dressed and go out and conquer the world. You know, it's what people normally call a good day. And other days, it's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and PJs. And the biggest decision you find yourself capable of is, will it be crunchy or creamy peanut butter? It's like the most jelly or, you know, grape or strawberry, you know? And you're exhausted. It's nap time then, right? The truth is, is that that's how you hold both the joy and the sorrow, uh, the tears and the giggles. So when you have a day that you go out and conquer the world, so to speak, you're using up that energy so it lowers. And so the next day you have to rest to be able to put more resources back. So if, and that's the trick is finding that balance, you know, and good days, bad days, the titles aren't as important as knowing that the bad days are necessary to have the good days, you know, to be able to do that, right? like a pendulum um you know you can only go so far into the joy and happiness as you've taken the back swing into kind of the deeper and and you know we we often call these emotions dark emotions or negative emotions but something i've just really really dug into during this time is the the teaching that is there in those moments of quote unquote darkness, which I don't, I haven't found a word to replace that yet, but I've been searching for one because, you know, I even noticed from my own upbringing, my mom is just this bright shining light and she's just pure sunshine and she's always so cheerful and joyful. And there was a moment during this, this storm where I was at definitely my deepest and darkest days. And she just wanted to make me feel better because nobody wants to see their loved ones sad. Right. She wanted to lift my spirits. And I got to a point where I just said, I don't, I don't need to fix this. It's not something to be fixed. It's, it's really just something to be felt mm -hmm. and exactly. surrendered to. When uh, someone talks to me um, as they're grieving um, and thinking about, I just want to remember the good times is something that I often hear, uh, which is human, mm -hmm. except that if we try to block out, ignore, 
the other times, they're coming up anyway, <laughs> whether we bid them forward or not. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps an easier way to deal with this is to say, when a sad memory comes up, sit with it a moment and then say, okay, I can't give you any more energy now. You'll be back and put it aside, like on a cloud and it moves along. Because being aware that things contain bittersweet moments, mm -hmm. right, it's easier. It, it's, and it's okay to say, I'm going to sit with this sadness. Mm -hmm. um, might I wallow in it? Well, if it's a big one, you might. And so it's a place to visit, not to permanently move into, yeah. but we need to visit it to enjoy the, the joy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what in your past brought you to all of this work and wisdom, my girl? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> um, it's really hard to say. I think sometimes when I look back, it seems like a, a pretty clear path. But at the time, you know, it was definitely seemed pretty haphazard and throwing things at the wall to see what stuck. Um, I was living in Austin, Texas and working in AmeriCorps, which uh, not everyone's familiar with. It's sort of like the Peace Corps, but here in the States. So you work really, really hard for a, a stipend that is a little less than minimum wage. And um, you just get a, a little dose of putting your hands to good work. And it was during that time that I realized you know, there were so many people that needed a lot of um, space to be held. And, and if we just started, I used to teach. So in the classes, it didn't matter what brought the people there. We would take deep breaths and then they were there. It was like, you saw everybody embody. Right. And that energy, it just, it was something that hooked me. And so I started exploring it in as many ways as I could. Yoga and massage and fitness and, um, you know, a little bit of like the psychology behind it all, energetics deeper into the yoga world, Ayurveda, and eventually found myself um, studying yoga therapy, which is kind of a, it's, it actually predates the yoga that we know now. And it's a one-on-one -on -one situation where, you know, I study with doctors and other wellness professionals. And a lot of times they're yogis, but they don't have time to teach their clients, you know, oh, and they just say, you should go to yoga. And then that person goes to yoga and has a terrible experience because they didn't go to the class that was really the one for them. And then they never try again. So I, um, in yoga therapy, really work with folks who maybe have tried or haven't tried yoga and just didn't feel like the, the stereotype fit them, um, especially if they tried it and, and it actually was more painful after. It's, that's like the worst thing is that if someone gets an injury in yoga, mm. but and then, you know, you start to learn that the physical practice is just like the very tip of the iceberg. And my really big thing over the last few months throughout the pandemic, you know, I've been studying therapeutic yoga for almost three years now, over a thousand hours of training. And 
finally it took a pandemic for me to realize you need to do some restorative yoga. <laughs> Wait a minute, let me write this down over here. <laughs> and it was like, boom, it just blew my mind how much changed when I started taking 20 to 30 minutes to lay down in the middle of the day. And it was the hardest thing that I've done in a long time to be able to say, you have to stop for 30 minutes right now. Because, you know, oh, I'm in my flow state. I don't want to stop work. I got to get this client because there's not so much job security. I got to call this person back or I'm not being productive anymore. And that's just the worst thing I could imagine. And then I started to give into it and everything changed. My energy level soared through the roof. It had been months that it was difficult to get out of bed. I was just dragging in the morning. And within a couple of weeks, I was bouncing out of bed first light of day, like I haven't done in years. <laughs> and I just, I had so much energy and so much more space and patience for myself and for others, which I think is the biggest takeaway from that. But even just health-wise, I was making healthier decisions because I was coming from a rested place. My adrenals were regulating so that I wasn't, you know, at the end of the day, all of a sudden awake and finding it hard to get to bed and then too tired in the morning and that cycle. So it's been a long ride of, of different modalities, but ultimately coming back to this idea that it's always changing and you have to just try different things. Sometimes, Sometimes we have to say, I don't want to change. Okay. So you have a little hissy fit about it. And you know, you let that go for, I think, a short period of time. And then you say, okay, all right, got that out of my system. Now, how is it I'm going to choose to deal with this? Right. So during this pandemic and all of these changes and growth that came to you, um, what made you and your husband decide to get married? <laughs> well, we've, uh, we've been together for nearly seven years now. And Part of me, and prior to that, our families, we go back, um, our grandmothers were best friends. Ah. And then our fathers went to school together and we're very close and they worked together for 30 years. And we've just always known each other. So our history is very, very intertwined and goes back probably long before we even existed. Right. And I think that we were just putting it off because neither one of us wanted to plan a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and we just, uh, we just, we kept saying, oh, you know, if, if something comes up for good reason, we'll do it. If something changes and we need to get married, we'll, we'll do it. And so it just kind of, we got thinking about it and the leaves were looking really pretty outside and it was just like, do you want to just get married? <laughs> like, let's just go up on the, the mountaintop when the leaves hit their peak and, you know, just do it. 
and it felt pretty good. So, so that's what we decided. It was about a 10 day engagement. <laughs> Just enough time to say yes to this and no to that and not overthink anything. And well, you had seven years to, you know, prepare for the 10 day engagement. So you were well prepared. Right, right. And, and you said if something changed, we would get married. Well, a pandemic girl, come on. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Wow. So through all of this difficulty and growth and challenges and change, what gives you hope for the future, for your future, our community's future, the country, the world? I, I have a lot of hope in the resilience and adaptability that we really as humans embody. Mm. And when given the time to reconnect with that and to kind of shed away a lot of the societal kind of just go with the flow stuff that we have, when we have these moments that stop us in our tracks, like all that stuff hits the wall and we're left with this human nature, this resilience and this desire to evolve. And I, I do think that that is a good thing. And ultimately, the more mindful we become, the better we are to each other and the stronger our communities are. And I think we've seen that happen in our small community, even as kind of the larger collective is, is still in the, the midst of that. Absolutely. And it's interesting. Um, I would love people to really remember those words that you just said. So when they get to a place and shed the outer skin, so to speak, and it feels vulnerable, perhaps scary um, and frightening, that that's not how you described it. Although that's how we can feel, yeah. but actually we can be ready for whatever the next adventure is like taking a shower and cleaning off that one layer and getting ready, put some clothes on and get ready for the next one. Absolutely, wonderful. So I'm sure people would be interested to know um, how would they be in contact with you regarding the classes? And um, you're teaching now under oh, what company? Please share with that with us. Yeah, so I, I teach public classes with Tribe Yoga in Oneonta. Um, you can find those scheduled at jointribeyoga.com. And then I also teach private yoga classes and host um, various workshops and kind of online learning with Upstate Yoga Therapy. And that's upstateyogatherapy.com as well. And I can personally say you're an excellent teacher. <laughs> this has been terrific. It's been informative and inspiring. And I think that whenever we share what we feel our dark times was, and now you've got me, I'll be, I'll be thinking of another word for that, um, <laughs> that it can allow the light to come through. So imagine that there's a dark sky, but then we see the stars and the light coming through. Right. Well, thank you, Kelsey Lang Rockefeller. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you. Here's my guest, 
And um, I look forward to sharing this with so many others. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You take care now.